0: Welcome online people, happy Easter, Christ Jesus has risen from the grave, hallelujah, amen, right? It's a day of celebration, it's a time of celebration. You know, our world's going through uh, such an incredibly challenging time, and uh, each of us is going through our own little challenge, aren't we? And we've never needed the resurrection truth of Jesus more than we need it today. And we're going to talk about that this weekend. We're going to talk about the resurrection of Jesus Christ, because after all, this is Resurrection Sunday. If you had asked me a couple of months ago, where would I be sharing this message, I thought, well, the River Center. But here we are, I'm in an empty auditorium, and you never know what life is going to bring you. And that's the challenge that we all have, isn't it? Our lives have been interrupted, and we've been talking about interruptions. And the question is, where do you find hope, especially at times like these, when, when life doesn't seem like it's making sense, when you, you don't know when it's going to end, and you feel like you're just waiting for something to happen, and it isn't. Where do you find hope in times like this? Well, you find hope in Easter. You find hope in Jesus. You find hope in the gospel. Here's, here's the thing. There are some people that say, well, you know, Christians, I, I hear your beliefs. I understand what you're saying, and they're nice, and they're, they're, I can understand how they would make you feel better. But here's the thing. I, I just feel like they're pie in the sky, you know, they're wishful thinking, and they're not real. They're not real. I believe, though, that in each and every one of our hearts, there's something within us that desires Happy ending. You know, we go to the movies and we love those movies that have happy endings. Have you ever gone to a movie that you come out of it and you go, "I think I feel worse than when I came in," and it's like I want my money back, right? But you love the movies where you go in and you're kind of like, eh, "I don't know what I think," and then you come out, and you go, "Man, I feel better," and uh, such a happy ending. And we we want that not just for the movies and the books. That we read and we want them for our lives. We want happy endings. Where do we find a happy ending? Find a happy ending at Easter. The last couple of weeks we've been talking about interruptions. And the interruptions are to our lives but to everyone else in the world, right? The whole world is being interrupted right now. But here's the thing. The greatest interruption that we could possibly have in our life is death, right? And you think about the what we've just experienced, Holy Week, right? We, uh, Monday, Thursday, and Good Friday. And what is Good Friday? We call it Good Friday, but Good Friday was where Jesus died. The ultimate interruption took place in Jesus' life. He died. He gave his life on a cross. But I want to talk to you about an even greater interruption. And that's Easter Sunday. Because what happened on Easter Sunday was... His death was interrupted by life. The women went to an empty tomb because he wasn't there anymore. His death was interrupted by life. And Jesus says to us, when you trust me, your life, when you die, will be interrupted by life eternal. That's the hope we want to talk about. That's the hope that can encourage us. So we're going to finish the book of Mark. And I'm going to just read to you a passage from the book of Mark, verse uh, chapter 16, starting at verse 1. Let me read it to you. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome, brought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb, and they asked each other, well, well, who will roll away the stone from the entrance of the tomb? Because the stone was this big, round thing, and they would roll it into place, and it would cover the tomb. So, so they were wondering, well, who are we going to get? Because we're going to need a lot of people to move this heavy stone away. But they looked up, and they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe, sitting on uh, the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You're looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who is crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where you laid him. But go tell his disciples and Peter. He is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. Now, a couple things we want to talk about from this passage. First, the women are going to the tomb and they're going on sunday morning and they're going to anoint the body of jesus because jesus has just kind of been put in this tomb temporarily to to till the sabbath was over and sabbath would have been saturday so they went sunday morning to anoint jesus body once and for all they hadn't done the final anointing yet so that's why they're going these women we have their names they're historical characters we we the people reading mark's gospel as, as it's been passed down, they knew these people. In other words, Mark says, you know, these women, they were the ones that went. And so people could fact check. They were real historical people that went to the tomb. The, the third thing I want to mention is the resurrection was inconceivable and unexpected for those people. They didn't expect the tomb to be empty. They were worried about who was going to move the stone away. The last thing they expected was an empty tomb. And they go and they find an empty tomb. Now, they're just like we are today. We don't expect resurrections. And so sometimes people look back and say, well, they were very superstitious. No, they weren't. They weren't. They went and they were surprised. They were astonished by what they saw. Even... John's account says Peter and John went and they ran to the tomb and they were astonished by it. So this is not like an everyday occurrence. This had never happened. This this was unheard of. Here's the other thing. The historical account must be considered thoughtfully. Christians have documented evidence for the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I don't have time to even begin to do that. But I just want you to say This is not just some fable or some story. This is documented historical narrative. There are real names and real people here. But I want to talk about, for the rest of our time, three implications, three implications about uh, the resurrection for us, the resurrection of Jesus. The first one is this. The resurrection means we're promised a new body. We're promised a new body. Now, whether we like it or not, most of us would say, "Well, I don't." Uh, we're all aging out, right? Uh, we're be- our bodies are constantly breaking out. We're taking more and more pills. Uh, we know that uh, you know someday we're gonna we're gonna die. You know, it's just inevitable. We see it coming down the road. Now, what? Here's what I found: many people put all their eggs in one basket. They live for the here and now. They they believe that 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 uh, proverb from Ecclesiastes, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow I die, we die, you know. And so you better grab it now, you better get it now, because if you don't get it now, you're going to lose out on everything. The way of life, this way of life seems like a dead end, and there doesn't seem to be any hope. It just seems like, well, I better get it in, because if I don't get it now, I'm going to miss out on it forever. The Bible, though, on the other hand, it shows us that we have are going to have real physical bodies, resurrected bodies. And they're going to be much better than what we have now. Look, Let me read you a passage. This is from Romans chapter 8 and verse 10. This is what uh, Paul says. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of the spirit that lives in you. So in other words, what Paul is saying is there's going to be a day, if you love Jesus, if you trust, are trusting in Jesus, where the same spirit that rose, raised Jesus from the dead will raise your body from death into life and you'll have a new resurrected body. Now many of you carry iPhones, right? And uh, there has been... Uh, 12 generations of the iPhone I think the current one is is 11 right so some of you have the three camera 11 phone and it's the newest and the greatest now here's the thing if you look back on the first iPhone you look back and you go man I can't imagine people even use that how did they ever get along did it have a camera and uh you know so you and you want to have the, the the latest iteration of that phone right that's what you want here's what I want you, here's what I want you to know The resurrection of our bodies, the resurrection of our bodies is the ultimate upgrade. It's the eternal upgrade. It's the eternal version. It doesn't get any better. There's no version 12 or 13 or 14. It is going to be incredible. The resurrection of Jesus speaks of life where the rest, the best is yet to come. Where those who are confined to beds and wheelchairs will walk and run and dance. Where people who, are, who suffer chronic illness and pain will find complete healing and relief. Will there be no more disease, no more COVID-19, no more suffering, pain, and death. That's the promise that we have. Now I came across this, it's interesting. They did a survey of Americans and they asked uh, you know, people who believed in the resurrection. So they only, you know, took in, they said, if you believe in the resurrection, do you believe that we will have a physical body after the resurrection? So that's the question. They're asking Americans, and they're asking Americans who believe in the resurrection. Two-thirds of people they asked said, we don't believe we'll have a physical body at the resurrection. Well, I can understand why people aren't excited about heaven then. And I can understand why people think they're going to be floating in clouds playing a harp. I don't know how you do it if you don't have a body. But, you know, bear with me. So that says two-thirds of people, and we'll include Christians in there, don't believe in a physical body in the resurrection. But here's the thing. Somebody has said, and I think they're right, a non-physical resurrection is like a sunless sunrise. Can you imagine having a sunrise but having no sun? It doesn't work. <laughs> it doesn't like, you know, take a picture of that. You just go, there's nothing there, you know, right? And, and so this is the, what we're saying here. Here's, here's the point. Here's the summary. At our resurrection, we're going to have real physical bodies far exceeding anything that you could hope or imagine. That's the first thing. Here's the second truth. The second thing is we're promised a new world promised a new world Uh, let me read you this this is from revelation chapter 12 verses 1 and 2 then i saw a new heaven and a new earth for the new heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea i saw the holy city the new jerusalem coming down out of heaven from god prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband what will this new heaven and earth be like what will it be like well here's the thing you're catching a glimpse of it right now. When you go out and you see the sun rises and the sunset, when you see the beauty of nature, when you gaze at the mountains and the snow-capped mountains, when you look at the rivers and the lakes, when you see all the animal and the the flowers and the trees, you are seeing, you're getting a sneak peek of what the new creation, the new heavens and the new earth are going to look like. Now, here's the thing. I love watching these whole makeover shows. And uh, I love I love the fact that they walk up to these these houses and they just are just awful looking. The roof is messed up. The porch is falling off. It, it, the windows are bad. The paint is peeled. It's just awful. And then they walk in and it's just like it, it stinks and you feel like you know maybe the best thing to do is just to take a bulldozer and and just put it into the ground and start over. But they don't. They'll put thousands and thousands of dollars into it and they'll renovate it they'll clean it they'll paint it they'll put new carpet new flooring they'll they'll change the layout they'll add to it they'll put a new roof on they'll do some groundwork around the yards they may throw a pool in then you walk and you'll see it and and at the end of it you look at it you go this isn't the same house it's unbelievable it's incredible so my wife carol when i'm watching one of those shows she'll always say oh tell me when it's over And what she means is she didn't care about any of the renovation. She just wants to see the final picture. She wants to see the before and the after. That's what she wants. She just wants that little moment, right? Here's the thing. Right now, you're looking at the earth, and it's beautiful. But you have to understand that what Jesus is talking about in Revelation, when we talk about a new heaven and a new earth, we're talking about a full renovation. We're talking about a whole change it's going to be very similar it's still the same bones still the same structure but it's going to be incredible it's going to be beautiful it's going to be amazing it's a makeover like you've never seen before and you know it's interesting some of those houses when i look at those houses when they're working on those show, on those shows when they work on a house it i literally feel like i can hear the house groaning when they walk in and maybe it's the floors i don't know what it is but you know what it's interesting because Paul says, this earth is groaning, waiting for that day of renovation. Let me read you that verse. This is Romans chapter 8, verse 20. For the creation was subject to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in the hope that the creation itself will be liberated from the bondage to decay and brought to into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to this present time. In other words, Paul says, the earth is just waiting for that day of a new heaven and a new earth because it's under such groaning weight. We look at it and we say, this world is so beautiful. And I, get, I just want you to know, you have yet to see what this world's going to be like. Can you imagine? We're given new resurrected bodies and given a new home on a renewed earth. We'll sing and dance and eat and drink and hug and kiss and work and play. And live in peace. And learn new things. We'll be musicians and artists and scientists and teachers and planners and builders. It's going to have some continuity with this life. But it's going to be to a whole new level. Um, I love this verse in 1 Corinthians. It says this. Paul says this. No eye has seen. No ear has heard. No human mind has conceived. The things God has prepared for those who loved him. In other words... It's like Paul says, let your imagination go wild and you won't even get close to what God has prepared for you. Let, let it just go wild and you will never get to the place of what God is going to do. So at the resurrection, we'll have, a new, phys, we'll have new physical bodies, we'll have a new renewed earth, we will live forever. Uh, and here's the thing we don't go to heaven, heaven comes down to earth. Heaven comes down to earth. And the earth will be renewed. Here's the third thing. And this is the last one we want to talk about. We're promised a new community. We're promised a new community. You know, God began, if you read the book of Genesis, God, be, God ends where he began. He began with man. And at the end, it, God is with man again, right? And that's that's how it, ends, it begins. But when he creates this, the heavens and the earth and he creates the garden and he places man in the garden... All through that, he, you know, he's creating life and, you know, on day one, day two, day three. And he says, it is good, it is good, it is good, it is good. And then he comes to man and he says, oh, wait a minute, that's not good. And what was it that it wasn't good? He says, it is not good for man to be alone. In other words, he, God created us for community. God created us to be with other people. He didn't want us to be alone. We're created for relationships and community. And this new community, he wants us to be in this new community. So no one will be alone or lonely. And some of you out there have struggled with being alone and lonely. I just want to tell you in heaven, it will be a different thing. I hope it will be different for you here on earth. But I'll tell you what, in heaven, you'll never be lonely. Here's the other thing some of you have lost loved ones you've lost a child you lost a parent you lost a son or a daughter you lost a grandparent you lost a friend if there's no resurrection there is absolutely no hope that you will ever see them again paul tells us in in first thessalonians 4 he says don't grieve like those who have no hope in other words he says it's okay to grieve But grieve with hope. Now how do you grieve with hope? If you'll never see them again. And Paul's point is you will see them again. So you grieve. You you, you have a loss here. But you grieve with a hope. Here's here's what it says. This is 1 Corinthians uh, 15. And Paul says this. And if Christ has not been raised. Your faith is futile. You're still in your sins. And those who have fallen asleep. Or those who have died in Christ. Those Christians are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are all people to be most pitied. In other words, if Jesus is only real here and now, and he's not real after death, we're to be pitied among men. But then Paul makes the incredible, monumental, you better underline it in your Bible statement, he says this in 1 Corinthians 15, 20. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. So Paul says, but Christ has been risen. He is alive. Resurrection Sunday. And he's the first fruits of many that are going to come. His followers will follow him. They, he's the first fruits. They're the latter fruits. And and Paul is basically, he, in 1 Corinthians our First Thessalonians four, where I was mentioning, he talks about this gathering together in the air, in the sky. We'll finally be reunited with our loved ones, and I'm looking for that day. Can you imagine what that must is going to be like? But not only that, not only that, but relationships will be incredible. They will be honest and transparent. They will be loving and selfless. They will be thoughtful and caring. The best relationship that you have on earth will pale in comparison to the relationships you have in heaven. Not only that, it even gets better than that. There'll be no more nations fighting wars. Evil and strife will be done away with. The great enemy will be cast away forever. Yeah, you know, I mean, can you imagine this? I mean, imagine what we're talking about. Reunited with our loved ones incredible relationships no more war no more killing no more death no more evil no more none of that it's all going to be changed here's the thing you may not already know god's already begun that work today here and now and he calls it this new community his church you see the church it's not a building. And if we haven't figured that out during this period of time we're in, I don't know if we're ever going to be The church is not a building. This, this place is empty right now. But I'm talking to the church right now. The church is not a building. It's a new community that God is creating creating right here and now. And we're able to get a taste of what those authentic, honest relationships can be we're not there yet we got a lot of baggage and a lot of issues see at the resurrection we'll have a new physical body Uh, it's going to be the eternal version there's going to be no greater version we're going to live on a new renewed earth and we're going to live in a new loving community have you found the hope of the resurrection of jesus in your life Jesus uh, had a number of close friends and he had uh, two sisters and and their brother, Lazarus, had died. And they had called for Jesus to come and visit and Jesus delayed. His disciples said, well, okay. And he got news that that Lazarus had died and Jesus finally went to visit. And they're puzzled by this. And he said, well, he says, I just wait for Lazarus to die because I'm going to raise him. So he has the conversation with the sisters. And they basically say, if you had been here, this wouldn't have happened. And Jesus says, yeah, I get that. But then he he says this to, to Martha, one of the sisters. He says this. This is John chapter 11, verse 25. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. And he says to Martha, do you believe this? And she says, yeah, I do. So my question to you is, do you believe that? Or is this all there is? You can find that eternal hope today. You can call upon the Lord. The Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Have you ever asked Jesus not just to be a savior or a real person your Savior? Have you ever put your trust in Him and said, Jesus, I realize that I'm helpless and hopeless and I need you to come to take my sin, to take the wrath, to take the punishment that I deserve, to live the life that I should have lived, and to die the death that I should have died? Have you ever called upon the Lord? If not, why not? And if not now, when? Today's the day of salvation. So I hope you'll take a moment and maybe just pray a prayer like this. Dear Father, thank you for all Jesus means and all Jesus has done. And I thank you that he died on a cross, not just for others, but for me. And I ask Jesus to come into my life and I give my life to him because he gave his life to me. And I want to begin a journey with him. And I guess that's a, a great prayer to pray. It's something along those lines. And if you pray a prayer like that, will you let somebody know? Because they're probably praying for you because they want you to be in heaven with a new resurrected body. So here's where we're going right now. You're going to hear some incredible, powerful testimonies from three families who are going to talk about how the hope of the resurrection of Jesus Christ is changing their life here and now and bringing them a hope that they can hold on to during the challenges that this life brings. So we're gonna watch those right now.
1: Um, I thought I had all my ducks in a row. I was retired from John Deere, at 30 years of service. I also had been running a tree business on the side. I also 30 years of experience pruning and removing trees, but On January 28th, 2015, I was about 20 feet off the ground, pruning a maple tree. I was throwing my safety rope over a branch when one foot slipped. Then one branch broke under the other foot and the one branch I was holding onto also broke. So I fell forward, rotated about three fourths of that and landed on the back of my head. I snapped my spine, T7 I think it was, and there I was laying on the frozen ground. Um, I realized rather quickly I couldn't move anything. I couldn't really move anything at first. Um, Tried to move my feet, my legs, nothing moved. But strangely, a calm came over me. I thought, I'm not afraid. I can't figure that out. I'm not afraid. I don't know what's gonna happen, but I really felt the presence of Jesus there, I wasn't scared. Had the ambulance ride and all that, and end up a helicopter ride to Iowa City. That was the end of my walking. Um, faith, family, and friends is really how I get through every day. My kids, my brothers, the sisters, especially my wife, Diane. They're there every day, helping, helping me do the things I can no longer do myself. But the biggest thing is my faith. Um, From the time I was laying under that tree, I felt Jesus by my side. Three o'clock in the morning, I'm breathing in pain. Nobody else is there. Jesus is still there. I am so thankful to have Jesus by my side. He's got me through those bitter times in the middle of the night. He's got me through the time I was laying on the ground I'm just looking so forward to meeting him in heaven and I'll have no more sorrow, no more pain.
2: Seven years ago, my mom was given a death sentence, a diagnosis of ALS, also known as Ugaric's disease. For seven years, we watched her slowly lose the ability to move every part of her body, all the while being aware of her surroundings. Three months ago, my mom went to be with Jesus. Early in my mom's diagnosis, she planned her own funeral, which for us and anyone who knew her, that was no surprise at all because she loved to be in control of things. She picked out a fork probably five years ago, a beautiful fork that she wanted to be buried with. A fork, I know, that sounds a little bit crazy. So just like you save your fork, for the best part of the meal, dessert, the delicious apple pie or something scrumptious. The fork served as a reminder that after this life was the best part and that was heaven. My mom displayed an unwavering confidence that she would soon be with Jesus. A week before she died, a friend came to do her hair. When her friend entered the room, she greeted her with joy and said, You are here to make me beautiful, to meet Jesus. As I think of her in heaven with a restored body, I am overwhelmed with joy. But I and my family are sad as we move forward and navigate life without her. My favorite part of the eulogy that she wrote were the last two words, be there. She wanted everyone in that packed church to know that she wanted them to be there in heaven with her. And I am confident that I too will be there with her. And that is only because of Jesus.
3: I remember that moment as if it just had happened yesterday where our pediatrician had taken us into a separate room and sat both of us down and had explained to us what was going on with Courtney and that she had cancer and it had metastasized into other parts of her body.
4: Our daughter Courtney was diagnosed with cancer just four days before her first birthday.
3: Um, Things moved very quickly. And one of the images that I remember vividly was walking Courtney with her stretcher out to the helicopter behind the hospital and seeing her get loaded up uh, into the Iowa helicopter and being flown away. Um, It was at that time as a parent, as a dad, I just felt utterly helpless.
4: So the next eight months were filled with um, surgeries and lots and lots of chemotherapy and medications and all the horrible things that come with cancer treatment. But we were very hopeful and we had legions of prayer warriors all over the globe praying for Courtney's healing.
3: But the hard part for us was when we saw that we were exhausting all of our medical options and it seemed as if though at this point God was choosing not to come and heal her, that we as parents began to pray a different prayer, something that was very hard for us to experience. And we prayed for God's mercy and that he would come quickly and take Courtney home.
4: And um, I was really, really hoping that she would make it to Easter because I had bought her this beautiful Easter dress and I just really was looking forward to dressing her up in that dress and celebrating that final Easter together as a family. But unfortunately, Courtney passed away just two weeks before Easter. And so that ended up being the dress she met Jesus in. (laughs) That first Easter that we lost, Courtney, was very unique for me in that I wasn't going to church out of obligation. I was there to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus because the resurrection is everything. It is everything. It is the hope, the foundation that our future and our hope is built on.
3: We will have a chance to see our daughter again because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. He gives us that living hope.